I told Todd we had a, a good two hours prepared for y'all. I have a good two hours prepared for y'all. And he thought, it, he thought I meant the service. I said, no, I said, that's the word. That's just the word, brother. He told me, well, he's not missing the softball game, so if it goes too long, he's out of here. He spoke that truth with love, though. I appreciate that, brother. So we're going to see what we can do. Uh, praise the Lord. We're going to get into the Word of God. Uh, those of you who have your Bibles, turn to the Psalm 121. And as you're doing that, join me in a brief word of prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have already worked in our hearts. Uh, I thank you you've spoken to us through the worship, through the words of exhortation, Father God. And I trust that everyone has already been blessed. And Lord, I ask you to continue to, to bless people through, your, through the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read these. It's only eight verses. I'm going to read them and then we'll go through them in a little more detail and see where God wants us to go. Psalm 121, starting at the first verse, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You know, Psalm 121 is the second of 15 psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. There are other names for it, but I'm, I'm only going to use the, the term Psalm of Ascent. And they're named this because the phrase, a song of ascents, appears at the beginning of each of these 15 psalms. It's Psalm 120 all the way through to Psalm 134. And the Hebrew term for it, in a nutshell, means going up, ascending, ascent, going up. And it forms, these 15 psalms form basically a songbook, a worship book that the people of God sang on their pilgrimages traveling to Jerusalem. So the idea of ascent comes from the imagery of the pilgrims ascending the roads to Jerusalem and finally ascending the Temple Mount to arrive at the place of worship. And these psalms would be what the devout Jews would be singing as they made their ascent. Psalm 21 
just eight verses. And seven of those verses are devoted to praising the nature of God. And as we go through these eight verses, there's two things, not a long list, there's two things that are very clear that the psalmist is bringing out. One is that you matter to God. And two, that God is your keeper. You matter to God. And the psalmist says in verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. He's not looking to the hills just because he's a mountain man. He's not looking to the hills because he's a woodsman. He's not looking to the hills because there's anything special about the hills. He's looking to the one who made the hills. Remember, these are a psalm of ascent. So he's starting from a lowly place, and he's going to be ascending up to the place where God, the designated for God to be worshipped, the place where God is. Are you hearing me? So this is the beginning of a journey. And that the destination is a long way off. But he's determined. His eyes are focused on the destination. Because the destination is where God is. Are you hearing me? The journey is just beginning. For this psalmist, it's going to be a rough uphill ascent to reach the appointed place of worship. And I just know the psalmist who wrote this is mindful of where he is and the challenges he's facing. But he will not allow those things to distract him from looking. Upward, looking to the Lord, looking to the hills. He might be in the mud right now, but his eyes aren't on the mud. His eyes are lifted up. Maybe you feel like you're in the mud right now. But don't fix your eyes on the mud. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Because he is your help. He might be in the mud right now, but his eyes are lifted up to the hills, to the place where he longs to go and engage God with praise and worship. He knows he'll need help to complete the journey, but he's not worried because he says here in verse 2, my help comes from who? See, oftentimes we want the absence of, of, of burden, the absence of challenge, the, the, the absence of stress, the, you know, the absence of trials. But that's not what God has called us to. It doesn't mean we'll be without peace. God gives us peace 
How can we know peace that passes all understanding if we're not in a situation that makes no sense to have peace in? And so he knows there's a long road ahead of him, and he knows it's an uphill climb, and he knows there are dangers and difficulties and, and things that will be confronting him, but he's resting in the fact that his helper is with him. Some of you have strife and trials at home. Some of you have strife and trials in your personal life, and and, 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 and you're longing for a day when you don't have that anymore. And, and maybe you're at the bottom of the mountain. Maybe the, the journey to the peak of the mountain, the journey to, to the presence of God where the peace of God is, maybe that's far off. You know what verse 2 tells me here? Maybe that's far off, but this guy knows that God isn't far off. The, the, the destination, the goal, the objective, the, the slice of life that you hope to obtain may be far off, but the God who's going to help you attain it is right there with you where you're at in the mud. And he's going to help you. The only way you're going to get from the mud to the top of the mountain is by the divine help of God. So our eyes need to be lifted up. That's where our help is. If our eyes stay on the mud, then all we're going to do is have a victim mentality, and all we're going to do is look for reasons to complain and move in doubt, fear, and unbelief. We're going to have to say, despite the circumstances, I've got help here. I'm in the mud, but I'm not alone in the mud. My helper is with me, and my helper is going to get me from here to there. So my eyes are going to stay on him. And where he goes, I'm going to go, right? And eventually, before we know it, my feet aren't going to be in mud anymore. My feet's going to be on the mountaintop. Amen? So I want to encourage you, where you're at right now, don't wait to praise God. Don't wait to well up in hope. Don't wait to be encouraged. Don't wait till your circumstances change or improve in order for you to, to, to rest in the and, and faith and trust in God and knowing that God is there for you. Don't let your circumstances prevent you from recognizing the presence of God right there with you. If you keep your eyes on him, no circumstance can defeat you. Because greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Right? That's what the scripture says. The scripture says, if, do you know Jesus? Huh? You know, ra raise your hand if you know Jesus in here. Amen. All right? I mean, uh, come on now. We can do better than that. Heather gave that wonderful exhortation. Raise your hands if you know Jesus in here. Amen. All right, then you know Jesus in the word of God says, you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Amen. So there's not a circumstance that you can experience that should have mastery over you. There's not a circumstance that you can't overcome in him as long as you rely on your help. There's a whole lot in life that's more than we can bear. But if we rely on our help, if we yoke up with Jesus, 
we're more than able to overcome it. Are you hearing me today? So, even though the destination might be far away, I want to say this again. He knew that God wasn't far away from him. I'm repeating that because I want to exhort you, even though the you that you want to be may seem far away. Your college graduation may seem far away. It may seem far away for y'all not to have to deal with Todd anymore. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but your life may not be what you had hoped. It may not, it may be far away from what you had dreamed in your mind's eye. And you might think that all is lost. Seems too far away for you to hold on to that childlike hope you once had. Let me, allow me to say, that's a mindset and an attitude that's forgotten your help. You still have hope in Jesus. Lift your eyes from your circumstance, focus on Jesus, and let, I, I, I tell you, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, but you're going to have to focus on him. So he knew God wasn't far away, but he knew God was present and active in his life. And here's the point. The psalmist understood that he didn't need to arrive at Jerusalem in order to come under God's protective care. God was already protecting him where he was at. And that God was going to continue to protect him on his journey. And then God will continue to protect him once he arrived. That's why you can come to God as you are. It's foolishness to think that we need to clean ourselves up before we can come to the Lord. Because we can't clean ourselves up. Our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. That's not, you know, there is not enough good behavior for us to be acceptable to God. The only way we can be acceptable to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. By grace, through faith. He made it that way. You don't have to earn your way to him. He's, he's, he's made the way possible. He's made the way easy. We just have to humble ourselves and receive the salvation of the Lord. And once you've done that, all right, now we're in relationship where God is doing the divine work of sanctifying you through his word, sanctifying you in his spirit. And you've got to devote yourself to being in his word, devote yourself to walking in his way. But it is him that's doing the work in your heart and in your life. 
We can't do it apart from him. And you might not be able to see it now. I was once, if you're there, I was once there. There was a time in my life where everything fell apart. And my attitude was, where is God in all this? God, you let me down. I look past all the decisions I made, all the choices I made, all the things that I did wrong uh, to get myself flunked out of college. But I wanted, I prayed to God because I wanted him to fix it so I didn't have to suffer the consequences. But God didn't spare me from the consequences. But you know what? He was with me in the consequences. And he revealed himself to me in the consequences. And he revealed the call he had on my life while I was going through the consequences. And then God healed and repaired everything and brought me back to OSU where I could graduate and go on in the purpose and plan of God for my life. Because the plan I had for myself wasn't God's. So you might not feel that God is present and active in your life. That's your feelings lying to you. The truth of the matter is God's word is truth. And he said he will never leave you nor forsake you. I didn't hear a lot of amens on that, but, that, that, but it's still true. got to turn your eyes on Jesus. He's with you. No matter how, how high the mud is you're standing in, doesn't matter how deep the pit is, he's there with you. And when you're ready to fully devote yourself to him, when you're ready to turn your eyes on him, he will lead you out of it. And he will elevate you. He'll help you ascend to that place of worship. Ascend to that place of peace. Ascend to that place of elevation. You know, C.S. Lewis, how many of y'all know C.S. Lewis? He once said that God has infinite attention, infinite leisure to spare with each, with each one of us. Infinite attention, infinite leisure to spare for each one of us. He doesn't have to make us wait in line. You're as much alone with him as if you were the only thing he'd ever created. That blows my mind, but think, think about that. Christy and I got four kids. When they were little and they all wanted attention, my goodness, man, there wasn't enough of mom and daddy to go around. Sometimes he just wanted to get away. I don't have a man room, so the, the bathroom doubles as my man room. too much information <laughs> but God doesn't have that problem he has infinite attention he's able to be there for each and every one of us as though we're his only child 
And he's able to give us 100%, his full attention, without being distracted. And let me, let's go through these, uh, through these verses here. He's able to give us his full attention. That's how focused he is. Let's, let, let's take a look at the focus, how focused God is on you and your life. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. Now, if he's not going to let your foot be moved, that means there's something trying to move you. There's something pressing. There's something challenging you. There is stress, right? And, and, and you need to be able to stand your ground. And God is saying that God won't let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Every human being needs sleep. But I would like to know if my family ever needed protection. Hey, I don't want, I, I don't want the protection detail to be slumbering or falling asleep. I don't want them to be distracted on their phones and, 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 and checking their mentions on, on social media or whatever. I, don't, I want them focused on the health and safety of my family. Well, we don't have to worry about that with God because we've got his full attention. His full focus is infinite. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's not distracted. That's how much he cares about you. Now, your circumstances might make you feel God doesn't care very much. But again, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by appearance. We walk by faith, not by circumstances. God is God, no matter what we're going through. And he is more than able to help us, to, to help us in and through whatever it is we're facing as a challenge. Do we believe that? Can we embrace that? Can, can we just accept that? Are we willing to, to, to be uncomfortable and willing to, to walk in that way? Okay, God, if you want me to be on the edge, if you want me to step out of the boat and walk on the water, it sounds crazy to me, but I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone. I'm willing to try it your way, even though I don't think that that's the way to go. If God's word says it, then I'm going to obey God there and trust him. If we're willing to go there, there's no limit to what God, what you'll see God do in your life. Let's go on. He says, the son, the Lord is your keeper. Now, we keep seeing this word keep and keeper here. Verse 3, he who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 4, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. 
The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. See, he's not going to stop the blistering sun from shining down, but he will be your shade to help you bear it. So what a lot of us need is perspective change, right? We want God to do certain things, but the more important thing is what does God want to do in us? And I finally had to say, you know, God, I'm going to stop trying to tell you how to be God. I'm going to stop complaining about how you're wanting to work in my life. I'm going to humble myself and trust you and obey you. However you want to work in my life, whatever you and your divine wisdom know that I need to endure, know that I need to be subjected to in order for Christ to be more formed in me. I'm just going to say, yes, Lord, and I'm going to have a heart and attitude of thank you, Lord, for caring enough to discipline me in this way, to, for caring enough about me to do the hard work of molding me into the image of Christ. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That word for keep there, the concept there is, is very similar. I would say even the same as in Genesis chapter 2 when the Lord... Uh, had Adam and Eve keep the garden that he sent them in to, to tend the garden, care for it, water it, you know, do all those things. Anyone who has a garden knows how much effort goes into keeping it. Probably anyone who runs a farm, any shepherd had to keep the sheep. But for gardeners to keep their garden, they got to weed it. They got to prune it. God keeps us like a gardener keeps their garden. But when, but, but his keeping of us is not pain-free. His keeping of us is not without challenge or struggle. When he prunes us, the clipping hurts, but it's needful in order to promote growth. And we've got to so want the growth, right, that we learn to appreciate the snipping, the pruning that God subjects us to. All right. So I want to uh, uh, shift here with another thought. God 
is not an absentee dad. This is a support of what I said earlier. He's a very present help. I want you to go to Psalm 46. And I'm going to read the first few verses here. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. All right. Anybody know what it's like to be in trouble? I've, I've heard of it happening. I know of people who have experienced it. But he's not an absentee dad when you're in trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way. Hold on. Therefore goes back to verse 1. Therefore we will not fear. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Because God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. He will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's your God, people. He is your refuge and your strength, and he's a very present help in trouble. But you've got to look up. From that trouble and call on him. Now, as I said at the beginning of the message, it was customary for God's people at least three times a year to make that journey for different festivals. You know, these journeys took weeks, a month or more. They're taking off from work, from their homes, all to make that ascent to the Temple Mount. That means... There's huge sacrifice there, right? They are, it doesn't work like that today, but it would be like us taking time off not to go to Galveston Beach, but time off just to go and worship God. Taking three, four weeks off to prioritize God in our lives, to seek him, to worship him. That's what they were doing. This wasn't a vacation they were going on. It meant that much to them to engage God that they would travel, make this long, arduous ascent, this long, arduous travel, face dangers, potential robbers and traps and all of this to get to the designated place of worship. There are no paychecks coming. 
They're not tilling their, their, their farms and gardens and so forth. They are making a pilgrimage to go engage God. How much different, you know, how much a different dynamic is that than what we deal with today? When we take time off from work, man, we want beaches, we want parks, we want all kinds of fun. We don't live in the times that they lived in. We live in a more modern time. But some things never change. Our need for the Lord hasn't changed. Just as the people of ancient Judah had to contend with the trials and tribulations that were present in their time, we too, as Christians in this modern time, must contend with the problems and trials and adversities that we face in the world today. But as we face them, we need to let this psalmist remind us of what our focus should be, what our perspective should be as we're going through them. I'm not going to read all those verses again. I'll just cap them. By saying God keeps us. In so many ways. Verse 3 and 4, God watches over us individually and as a people. Verse 5, God is our keeper. Like a gardener keeps his garden or a shepherd keeps his flock. And finally, it says that he never sleeps. He never nods off. He never needs a 15-minute smoke break. He never needs any of that. He is giving us his full attention and he's devoted to our care. And he's a very present help in our time of trouble. I want to conclude with a couple of Quick verses. Uh, hey, Chuck, are you doing a, would you go give them a heads up to, that I'm about to wind down here? All right. I'm serious this time. I'm about to wind down. Uh, past behavior, don't hold me against that. Don't hold that against me. But a couple of short verses, one in Isaiah 26. Verses 3 and 4, they say this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, if we, we want the peace of God. This scripture here says, it, it gives us a clue. It says, you keep him in perfect peace who what? whose mind is stayed on him. So if we want the peace of God, the perfect peace of God, what must we endeavor to do? Y'all sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Talk, I, I, I can't understand what you're saying. 
Somebody with some conviction, answer that for me. All right. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. My challenge for you today is, do you trust in him? When stuff hits the fan, do you trust in him? When all goes, when the wheels go off the bus, when the train goes off the track, whatever metaphor you want to use, when it really gets hard, do you trust him? That's where, see, that's the hard work that needs to happen. That's where our focus needs to be. Lord, I want to grow in my capacity to trust you. Where it's not circumstance-based. Even if, I'm, if things aren't working out the way I want them to, I want to be able to trust you. That's my heart's desire, but Lord, I need your help. I'm going to, please convict me. Remind me to put my, focus my thought and attention on you in the midst of it. Let not, let me not be so rocked by the circumstances that I'm just swinging blindly in the wind, just doing whatever instinct tells me to do. Let me be mindful to turn my eyes to you. Rest in your faithfulness. Rest in the fact that I know you're present and that you are a very present help for me in this time of need. You'd be amazed at just how much that can calm you down, give you a sense of peace, and you can hear God and be sensitive to how God is, 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 is trying to guide you and lead you when you don't have the storm of out-of-control emotions and thoughts in the way. You got a God that cares for you more than you can imagine. And I want to conclude with the book of Jude doxology at the end of Jude, the final two verses, verses 24 and 25. You'll find that this whole concept of God keeping you continues in this verse right here. And I don't believe I said it. Today's, uh, the title of today's message is The Lord is Your Keeper. The Lord is your keeper. It says here, 24th verse, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. 
in his ability to keep you, he is able to keep you from stumbling. You know, how many of you know you can't keep you in your own strength? You can't keep you from stumbling. Maybe, maybe some of us haven't gotten that revelation yet. You will. And that's not meant to discourage you. That's meant to inspire you to look to the Lord, the one who is able to keep you from stumbling. The one who is able to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. So even in your personal struggles, those ones that make you look in the mirror and, and judge yourself, condemn yourself, the ones that, 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 that make you a recluse and you kind of hide yourself from, from the group because, you know, you feel like a hypocrite, you feel like a failure, the devil really beats you up in those quiet moments. Don't let the devil lie to you and don't let the fear of what people might think about you or the fear of how they might react or the fear of you're the only one stop you from owning it and confessing your sin because he is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Are you hearing me? Right? The, the, the solution to your tr trying to stop the stumbling and the failure is not in you trying harder. It's you actually going after God and yielding to him and allowing him to do the work in your life that only he can do. He's there. You can make that ascent. You can go from whatever lowly state you're at. You can elevate to all that God has for you. But you're going to have to take upon his yoke and you're going to have to fully rely on God. The very present help. The one who is able to keep you in your coming and your going. To keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Hallelujah. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for I thank you for your for your word, Father God. Jesus said in John 17, he says about us, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. So Lord God, we Acknowledge your word as truth. We, we proclaim it and we embrace it as truth. And we ask you to sanctify us in your truth, O oh God. And like the psalmist who wrote Psalm 121, it's unattributed. We don't know the author of this particular one. But it's canonized in Scripture. And, and your words, Father God, says, all Scripture is God-breathed. 
Everything that made it into scripture came from the mouth of God. And it is profitable. It's beneficial for, our, for instruction in righteousness, for our own growth and development in the Lord. And so, Lord, we don't dismiss. I pray we don't dismiss any of your word, that we embrace it as truth, and we invite you to sanctify us in accordance with that truth. For those who have been trying in their own strength to be better people, personally, I applaud the effort that you care enough that you want to be a better person. You want the people in your life who depend on you to have confidence in you. And I commend that. But I cannot stress enough how futile it is to try and do it in your own strength. Jesus went to the cross for you. So that the old self that's in bondage to sin and death could die with him on that cross. And through faith in him, just like he resurrected after, on the third day after dying on the cross, Through faith in him, you rise in new life, no longer a slave to sin, no longer in bondage to sin. So if you've been struggling on your own, I don't want you to stop striving. I just want you to know that you need help. And there's only one help. There's only one there's only one who can help you, and that's the true and living God. And if you don't know Jesus today, maybe he's been tugging at your heart, maybe you've been resistant, maybe you, until today, you've never even considered giving your heart to the Lord, but the Lord is speaking to you today. Let this be the day that you receive Jesus Christ. Let this be the day that you allow the Lord to be a very present help in your time of need. Let this be the day that you truly begin to fight. And finally, let this be the day that you truly begin your ascent from the mud you're standing in to the glory that awaits you in the Lord.
It would be my honor to converse with whoever uh, after the service. I'm going to ask everyone to uh, pray with me. If you don't know the Lord here today, but today you're going to make a decision with him, just repeat after me. Hallelujah. Along with everybody else, y'all can repeat it after me. And It's not, perfection is not the standard, it's the heart that matters. If you want to make Jesus your Savior today, then repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I humble myself to you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. And I acknowledge that Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, is my Savior. He died on the cross to pay my sin debt. And he resurrected on the third day, proving that he is the Messiah, that he is the only way to salvation. So I receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And I commit to following him as his disciple from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.